My name's Kevin. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Genesis. Uh, I spend most of my time over at the Noblesville campus, and so I'm excited to be here with you all this morning. We are in week two of a two-week series we're calling Flourish. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, that's where we're going to spend most of our time. If you don't have a Bible on you, but you want to follow along in a Bible, there are several Bibles, uh, blue Bibles on the floor around the chairs, uh, under the chairs around you. Uh, again, we'll be in Acts chapter 2. Last weekend, we started this two-week series called Flourish, and it comes out of Psalm 92. Take a look at this, Psalm 92, verse 12 and 13. The psalmist writes, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. The word for flourish here means to bloom or to blossom. It means to live a fruitful life. I think it's safe to say all of us want to live a fruitful life. All of us want to flourish in life. And the psalmist tells us how. He said we must be planted in the house of the Lord. We will flourish in the courts of our God. Now for the Israelites, being in the courts of God meant being in his presence. And so the psalmist is saying in order to flourish or live a fruitful life, we must be planted in God's presence. Or we must, uh, as Jesus said in John 15, we must learn to abide in Christ. And so last week, Jerry talked about the one thing we must all do. The number one prayer and pursuit of our lives is dwelling in God's presence. We looked at three steps that you can take to do that. Number one, meditate on scripture. Number two, pray about everything. And number three, connect in community. If you missed last week's message, I want to encourage you to go online on our website and check it out. Uh, one of the points that Jerry made last week is where I want to pick up today. He said we need to stop simply going to church and we need to start connecting in community. The truth is we can often think of church uh, as something we do for an hour or as a place we go to. In fact, we often use the phrase, I'm going to go to church. And it's really easy to walk in these doors on Sunday morning and then to leave and to think, okay, I went to church. And then we don't think about going to church again until next Sunday. And then next Sunday we'll come to church, right? But church isn't a place you go to. Church is a community of people that you belong to. Church isn't a place you go to. Church is a community of people you belong to. Let's look back again at Psalm 92 at verse 13. I want to draw your attention to the word house. The psalmist writes, planted in the house of the Lord. The word for house means more than just a physical building. It implies a, a community of people. And the New Testament describes the church as a community of Christ followers. It's the house of God. In fact, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6, the Hebrews writer says this, but Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house. Who's, who is God's house? We are, the people. We are his house. The individuals and couples and families that make up this community called Genesis Church. We, we are the church. And so the church isn't just a place you go to. The church is a community of people you belong to. And I think this concept was a little easier for the early church uh, in the book of Acts to grasp. And so we're going to take a few minutes to walk through uh, a passage in the book of Acts. If you're new to the Bible, uh, in the New Testament, it starts off with the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And those four Gospels tell the life and the ministry of Jesus. At the end of the Gospels, Jesus is crucified. 
He's buried, and then he raised to, he's raised to life. Then he appears to his disciples, and he gives them some further instruction. And in Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends into heaven, and Acts chapter 2 gives us the story of the beginning of the church. And in Acts 2.42, we get a summary of what the early church prioritized, what they gave their attention to. Follow, follow along here. Acts 2.42, it says, The early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So we're told there are four specific things. Fellowship, I mean, teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, which was communion, which is remembering that Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. And then fourthly, they were devoted to prayer. These were the few things that marked the very first church. And then as we read on, we find that uh, the result of their devotion to these things. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We're going to walk through a few of these pieces in just a minute, but I want to first, I want to highlight a specific word that Luke, the writer of Acts, he uses three times in this section. I don't know if you wonder if you caught it. And it's the word together. He says the believers were together. Every day they continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. The early church did life together. They were a community of people that belonged to one another. They were a family on mission together. And it was their togetherness that led to their flourishing. This is what we long for here at Genesis Church. God longs for us to be a family on mission together. Our togetherness as a church family will lead to our flourishing, both as individuals and couples and families and corporately as a body. But in order to see that kind of togetherness happen here at Genesis, we may need to make some changes in the way we view and approach church. So here's what I'm going to do. Let's do this. We're going to take a description, this description here in Acts 2 of the early church, and we're going to compare it and contrast it with some very familiar images uh, from today's world that capture how many of us may, may think of church sometimes. And as we look at these images, I want you to do a self-evaluation and just ask yourself, does my approach and view of church look more like one of these images or more like what we read in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2? All right, here's the first one. The first image that maybe captures what we can think of when uh, we think of church is this. It's a movie theater. It's a movie theater. How many of you love to go to movies? Anybody love to go to movies? How many of y'all went to see a movie last night? Anybody go see a movie last night? All right. Couple. Why do we go to the movies? The primary purpose of going to movies is to be entertained, right? You get some snacks and a drink. You sit down in a very comfortable seat. You enjoy some surround sound and a huge screen. And you allow yourself to be entertained. And you enjoy, you enjoy the experience. And when the movie's over, you walk out and you begin to evaluate. Was it a good movie? Was it a good story? Was the acting good? Did it have a good ending? Was it too long? And then you basically give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down, right? And that's the natural response we should have, an appropriate response to entertainment. But I want you to think about how we sometimes view and approach church. Because if we're not careful, this movie theater mentality can creep into this room every Sunday. 
And we can mistakenly think of ourselves as the audience, and we've come here to be entertained. As we walk out, we evaluate it, right? How was the music? Was it too loud? Was the sermon too long or too preachy or too boring? Was it too watered down? Did it satisfy me? Did I get anything from it? Would I give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down? <laughs> After the service was over, someone came up to me and they said, Hey, Kevin, thumbs up, great message. <laughs> Let's be reminded this morning, the church is not a movie theater. Myself, Jerry, Steve, the teaching team, Joel, Michael, the worship team, we are not entertainers, and you are not the audience. In fact, the Bible tells us that God is our audience. And we come to worship and celebrate Him. And believe it or not, the Bible says that God evaluates us. And He evaluates the quality of our worship and the quality of our teaching. Isaiah 29, 13, God says, They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. When we come in here to celebrate who God is and to learn from His Word, our greatest concern should be the condition and the attitude of our hearts. Our hearts should be full of gratitude. Because we get come in to give thanks to God for dying on the cross, for forgiving us of our sins. And as Paul said, for rescuing us from the dominion of darkness. Our hearts should be humble and teachable because we desperately need to hear from God and the teaching of his word. Our hearts should be full of joy and hope because we know the brokenness and the suffering that we experience in this life is only temporary. And we are anxiously awaiting the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And so when we gather here on Sunday, we gather to celebrate God, to celebrate his love and his, great, his grace, to give him thanks and praise. We gather to listen and obey God. We gather here not to be entertained. We gather to worship God. That's why we gather every Sunday. But I wonder sometimes, is that what you have in mind when you approach church? I know for me, it's a challenge, especially as a pastor. It's so easy to sit in the service and to think uh, about ways we can make the service better or listen to the message and think, oh, I, we, maybe we should have said this or say that or include that passage. It's a challenge even for us, I know, to, uh, for, as pastors, just to stay focused on why we come here every Sunday. We come not to be entertained. We come to worship the Lord. So let's not make that mistake. We only have one audience, and that's Him. All right, there's another image I think we could use to describe how we sometimes think of church, and that's this one. The image of a store. Shopco. I've never heard of Shopco. I don't know who. Uh, does anybody know who Shop, where, where Shopco is? Oh, we got somebody in the first service too. Yeah. I, I don't know where Shopco is. But uh, Shopco is apparently stored. The point is this. On any given week, I bet most of us spend time walking up and down, up and down the aisles of some kind of store, right? And what do we do at a store? We shop. We have a list of things we need and the things we want. And if we don't find it at one store, then we'll just go to a different one. I know our family goes to three basic stores every week. We go to Trader Joe's, the grocery, we go to Costco and Target. And if, those three, if, if one of those three stores don't have it, then we go to, to the, uh, the dreaded Walmart. Uh, some, uh, sometimes, when we, sometimes when we think about church, the store mentality can creep in, right? I mean, what do we say if we're looking for a new church? We're church shopping, right? What does that mean? It means we, we, we're looking at our options. What do you have to offer me? 
Maybe we've even got a list of things that we want and things that we, we need in a church. And if I can't get what I'm, everything I want on my list here, then I'm off to the next place to see if they can meet my needs. Now listen, if you're in the season where you're looking for a new church, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a list of things that are important to you. That's probably a wise approach. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with visiting a few different churches in, in the area to see where God may be calling you. That's totally okay, and it's appropriate. And if you're new here today, please visit us on Sundays for a few weeks. Attend our Intro to Genesis lunch in a, uh, next month. Ask some questions. See if this is the church that God has for you. I'm speaking more specifically to those of us who already call Genesis Church home. As a church family, we want to guard against the mentality uh, that church is a store and that we come to church to get what we want and to have our needs met. If the church doesn't have what I want, or what I, even what I need, then I'll just go somewhere else. We've got we to gotta guard against that. We need to take the approach instead that the early church took. Let's look again at Acts 2.42. It says, They devoted themselves to fellowship. I'm highlighting that intentionally. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They were devoted to one another. You know, shoppers are looking out for themselves, making sure they get everything they want and everything they need. But the early church was devoted to meeting the needs of one another. Listen to what it says in verse 44. It says, all the believers were together. There's that together word again. And they had everything in common. Now, I don't know about you. I've never walked into Walmart and thought, I, although I have everything in common with these people. Like, I, I've never walked into Walmart and thought to myself, these are my people. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, do you do that? Do you? I don't know. For those of you who love Walmart, if I'm insulting you right now, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You probably deserve it. Okay, but the early church, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I get to go back to Noblesville. Steve and Jerry clean up the mess. Okay. <laughs> okay, just kidding, just kidding. Don't email me. Okay. The early church, with the early church, the early church was together, right? And they had everything in common. This means they shared their lives with one another, right? They were a community that belonged to one another. They were devoted to one another. They depended on one another. They were a family on mission together. Maybe it's time for some of you, some of us, to stop acting like shoppers in a grocery store. Maybe it's time to leave the list at home and start connecting the way the early church connected. One of the most simple and practical steps you can take in that direction is to join a small group. About six years ago, when my wife and I moved from Louisville, Kentucky, up here to take the role here at Genesis, we started, shortly after we got here, we started a co-ed group, a group of couples. There was about 10 or 12 of us, about six or seven couples. And uh, that group met for about nine months or so. And then at the end of that, we, uh, my wife took a few of the ladies and she started a women's group. And then I took a few of the guys and I started a men's group. And, and, uh, and I, I led this, our men's group met and for a little over three years, three and a half years. Uh, we met on Tuesday mornings from 6.30 to 7.45. And we had eight guys in our group. And, uh, and over the course of three and a half plus years or so, Man, we saw God do some amazing things in our group. We, we developed uh, really good friendships with each other. We shared our hearts with each other. We shared our struggles that we were going through. We opened up God's word and studied God's word together. We prayed with each other and for each other. We challenged and, and encouraged each other. We helped each other grow in our relationship with God. We helped each other grow as husbands and fathers. 
I asked a couple of the guys to give me a summary of what our men's group did for them, and here's what they texted me. First guy said this. He said, our men's group has provided me with a handful of guys who know, in all caps, who know me. And they challenge me, encourage me, pray for me, study God's word with me, and are men I can turn to in any season of life. These men know my faults and my failures and love me anyway instead of judging or condemning me. And I've had the opportunity to pray for them, to listen, to serve, and to love them where they are at. We are raw, vulnerable, and open. If you're not in a group, you're missing out, he says. This is the second guy, he says this. He says, being with a group of men who love the Lord has been life-giving to me for countless reasons. I've been challenged by them, encouraged by them, and given a place to vent without, and he puts in paragraph, in parentheses, too much judgment. We, we do judge and ridicule each other a little bit. Um, he says, I love the guys in my group. If you're not in a group, get in one. I want, do you hear that? We, we, we were together. We, we were devoted to one another. Shared life with each other. We walked alongside each other. One of our guys went through a difficult season at work. It was about an 18-month season. We were able to walk alongside him, listen to him, and encourage him and pray for him. One of our guys went through a challenging season in his marriage. One of our guys had his very first child, a baby girl, and she had some uh, serious complications and was in the NICU for the first two weeks of her life. And we were able to walk with him through that. And personally, as much as I love my role as a pastor on staff at this church, outside of my family, nothing has been more life-giving for me in the last six years than my men's group. And those guys, they've become my closest friends. And now... Uh, a few of those guys left and went and started their own men's groups. And what, what, what we had eight guys who were flourishing in one men's group. Today, we have over 22 men who are flourishing in three different men's groups. Here's the point. God longs for us to flourish as Christ followers. And one of the primary ways he wants to do that for us is to provide a few close relationships for us. In fact, I'll go so far to say this. If you're not currently connecting with a few other Christ followers, I want you to know this truth. Your heavenly father wants to help you connect with two or three people in a way that helps you flourish. Your heavenly father wants to help you connect with at least two or three other Christ followers in a way that will help you flourish in your relationship with God and in your life. So let me ask, who are the two or three people who know your story? Who are the two or three people that know what you're struggling with? The two or three people who, uh, share, who you share your, what God's doing in your life with? Who are the two or three people that you're praying with, praying for? Who are the two or three people that you're confessing sin to? Who are the two or three people that you're encouraging and who's encouraging you? Your heavenly father wants to provide you with these people. He wants to help you connect in a way that will help you flourish. And so if you're not involved in a group, please join one. We have over 300 people involved in some kind of group across both of our campuses here in Noblesville. If you're not one of those 300, you can become one today. It's a great time to join a group. You can uh, join on our app, on our website. You can go out in the lobby today before you leave and and, uh, stop in there and find a group to join. Okay, a third image that I think captures how we sometimes view church is this. A restaurant, Chili's. Now, I, I, I know I just shot myself in the foot because it's 11.15. You're all starting to get hungry. You're already thinking about lunch plans. You're probably thinking, this sermon is boring. I'm ready for lunch. And uh, so maybe you should go to Chili's. I don't know. But sometimes we view church 
as a restaurant, right? I'm guessing, how many of you went to a, a restaurant at some point this past week? In the last seven days, you went to, could be a fast food restaurant, any kind of restaurant. Raise your hand high. Yes, look at this. What has happened to our society? This is all we do. Like, re- going to restaurants has become a regular part of life, right? Why? Well, because restaurants are, are, are easy. They're convenient. And honestly, it's really nice to be served and be waited on, isn't it? And that's what we expect when we go to a restaurant. We expect good service. We evaluate whether or not we are being served. We don't have to do any of the work. Someone else is going to serve us and do the work for us. But I'm afraid for some of us, what we expect when we go to a restaurant has become what we expect at church. We can think of church as a place where we come and we sit down and we are served and waited upon. And that means our job is only to sit and consume. And even as you talk to people about their spiritual growth, they'll say, I want to go to church that, where I can be spiritually fed. And I get that, right? I mean, the Bible talks about the Word of God being spiritual food, and so that's an appropriate analogy to use. There's nothing wrong with that analogy. I just think that we need to understand that spiritual growth and spiritual maturity develop most quickly, not in the kitchen where you, uh, not at the table where you're being served, but in the kitchen where you are serving others. And so instead of coming to church to be served, we come to serve. Instead of just consuming, we start contributing. And that's part of what it means to be a part of the church family. We see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 45. It says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Notice the focus wasn't on getting my needs met, but on giving to others, on meeting each other's needs. And while we love providing, you know, bagels and coffee for you in the morning, this church, is not, this church is not a restaurant where we come to, to, come to be served, but to serve. Well, what does that look like? Maybe it's, maybe it's time for you to contribute by serving in Gen Kids. Uh, every Sunday here at the Carmel campus, we serve dozens of kids, birth through fifth grade, and we could really use some committed folks uh, who want to make a difference in the lives of those kids. Some people who would be willing to rock some babies and help set up classrooms and just contribute to the spiritual health of our kids. Or maybe you're really good at hospitality and you could use your gifts to make others feel welcome when they come in our doors. We have new people coming every week and you could be one of the faces that greets people with a smile and helps them find their way around. Sounds like we have uh, some middle school kids in the parking lot who are going to need some leadership. <laughs> Maybe you could get here early to make some coffee and hand, and hand out some bagels. Here's what, I want, here's what we want you to hear. We need you. We need you to be part of this church family. Without a committed group of volunteers every single Sunday, none of this happens. Maybe it's time for you to step up and join us. You can open the, up, the Genesis app. You can click on the Contribute tab and then on Serve, and you'll see some serving opportunities. You can check out our website or, again, just stop in the lobby on the way out today, and uh, you can find some opportunities to, stir, to serve. Here's the point. Maybe it's time for you to stop consuming like you're at a restaurant and start contributing. One of the last images uh, that I think may be helpful for us is that of this one here. A gym. Oh, yeah. What is that? Anytime Fitness? Yeah. You can tell I know a lot about gyms. Okay, when we think about a gym, right, we think about a, a, a place where people go to get in shape, right? That's what, that, that's what gyms are for. But actually research shows, and I think I've noticed this too, that v- most people who are at a gym aren't getting in shape. Most of the people at gyms are already in shape. You realize that? Like, it's, it's really the people who need to get, it's not really for the people who need to get in shape, it's actually for those who already feel like they're in shape and they're staying in shape. And I think back when I used to regularly go to a gym, I did go to a gym for a season when I was younger. 
And then I, I quit that nonsense. Um, you know, you could just go for a walk. Um, <laughs> but when you go to a gym, you can always spot the new guy, right? Nobody likes to be the new guy in the gym, right? I mean, you walk in and you feel completely out of place and you don't feel like you belong. Everyone else knows what they're doing and knows how to work all the equipment and they know their right way around and they even know some people in the gym that they're talking to and so they have, you know, friends and people they're familiar with and everyone else is in shape and everyone else seems to be fit and strong and you're the new guy and you're just thinking, man, I don't belong here, right? Well, whether we realize it or not, I think a lot of people can think of church that way. They can't imagine walking in here because church is a place where people have their lives together. It's a place for, place where families, for, for families who are already in shape. For, it's a place for marriages that are in shape. It's a, it's a p- place for people who already have their finances in shape. It, it's a place where people already have a really good relationship with God. And so I walk in, I don't have any of those things in my life. I feel out of place. I think to myself, I don't belong here. But that's not what we want, is it? That's not what God wants. The church should be a place where anyone can come and know they are wanted and they are welcome and you don't have to be in shape to belong. And you don't have to have the perfect relationship with God. I love what we read about uh, the early church in Acts chapter 2, verse 47. It says this, The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The early church was a place where outsiders were constantly becoming insiders. People knew there was something about those Christians and what they stood for and how they lived their lives. And they saw God working in a way that could only be explained by his presence and his power. And God was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Folks, the mission of Genesis Church is helping people find their way back to God. It comes right out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul says, it's as though we are Christ ambassadors pleading with people, come back to God, be reconciled to God. That's our mission. But we'll never accomplish our mission unless we make this a place where everyone is welcome and everyone can belong. We want to help everyone discover God's forgiveness and his purpose for their life. And so the church is not a movie theater. It's not a shopping center. It's not a restaurant or a gym. The church is to be a family on mission together. It was back on October 12th, a Kenyan marathon runner uh, attempted to become the very first human in history to run 26.2 miles, a full marathon, in under two hours. No one had ever done it before. His name is Kipchoge. And Kipchoge actually accomplished the feat. He did it in one hour, 59 minutes, and 40 seconds. He did it with 20 seconds to spare. It's an unbelievable feat, never been done before. He's obviously gotten a lot of attention and praise. But he didn't actually run the race alone. Kipchoge had a team of 40 other runners who ran with him and helped him. They were pace setters. And then throughout the race, they took turns running in a V formation in front of Kipchoge to reduce the drag from the wind. He could have never accomplished the race without their help. You and I were never meant to run this race alone. God wants to provide us with a few Christ followers who will run this race with us and help us flourish and live fruitful lives. Let's pray. Father, I am so thankful for your son, Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that your word says in Romans 5, 8, that you demonstrated your love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
thank you for the forgiveness of sins we have in Christ. And I'm so thankful that not only did you give us Jesus, but you gave us the church. I'm thankful for Genesis Church. I'm thankful for what you're doing in this church family. This is your church. And we want to be a church family who lives on mission together. We want to come in every week to worship you, not to be entertained. We want to come in to connect in community. We want to develop relationships in this church family. We want to seek to serve, not to be served, and to contribute. And we want to be a place where everyone feels welcome and everyone feels like they belong here. Would you help us to do that, Lord? We can't do this without your help, without your grace and your power. Father, help us to become the kind of church that you have planned for us. We pray, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.